We are all creatures of habit. You know, if we have the choice, we tend to take the safe route, the one that others have taken before. And in many cases, that's just fine. But there are times where you need to veer off course, venture out on your own, take the road less traveled, because you just might find that's where the excitement is. I'm Bill Schaefer, along with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Bolder. And you're about to hear from people who made the decision to go a different direction in life, to to take a path of their own. Have you ever done that? Would you like to? Well, there certainly are risks, but there's also many rewards. And on this program, we'll get bolder backstage with former Moody Blues keyboardist Patrick Moraz and find out why the way he plays is unlike anyone else. Then you're going to meet Robin Wilson, a fascinating entrepreneur, an African-American woman who's overcome many obstacles to create a product line that's now generating millions of dollars in sales. But first, Bill mentioned veering off course a little bit. You're going to meet a woman who walked away from an ad agency to seek a life of adventure. She became a cave diver, exploring seldom seen corners of the world. Ordinary people, extraordinary lives. That's Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer. We're here with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder. And this segment goes out to everybody out there who's ever had second thoughts about their job, who's ever wondered if there's something else out there you could be doing, something that's exciting and and cool and, you know, reflects who you really are. Yeah, who doesn't want all of that? And our next guest has one of those jobs. And, you know, Bill, I hesitate to even call it a job because it is such a passion for her. Uh, it does happen to be terribly uh, dangerous, but amazingly cool. She risks her life every time she does it. Uh, but it also happens to be incredibly rewarding as she literally goes where very few people have gone before her. Uh, in fact, it's accurate to say that more people have walked on the moon than have been to some of the places that she explores here on Earth. Uh, so let's find out more as we welcome cave diver, underwater explorer, writer, photographer, filmmaker, and real-life inspiration. She has a book out now. It's called To the Planet, My Life as a Cave Diver. Let's say hello to Jill uh, Heinerth. Jill, how are you doing today? Just great. Thank you. Well, you know, what an amazing life you, you, you live. And, you know, it really is nothing short of spectacular, but uh, as we mentioned, terrifying at the same time. Tell us about the appeal. Uh, I'm guessing it's the isolation. It's the beauty. It's the challenge. Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, um, just to kind of describe what I do, because most people think cave diver, what's that? Is that someone who throws themselves off a cliff into the water? <laughs> and it's not. I'm, I'm actually swimming through the veins of Mother Earth. So I am in water-filled passages inside caves beneath your feet. And for some people, they haven't even imagined that such places even exist. Um, so completely dark, um, conduits that branch out like the branches of a tree. And I can swim miles into the planet and go to places where nobody has ever been before. And that's pretty exciting for me. Hey, hey Bill, let me follow that up if I can, because I know Bill's going to ask some really important and interesting questions. But uh, you, you, you mentioned you, you obviously do it 
uh, the way it should be done. This is one of those things. I think back to my days in college where, you know, you had a few too many beers and pretty soon one of your uh, friends say, let's go dive in, in, in some of these caves. And you hear all the time about people who die uh, while they are cave diving because, you know, they just don't know what they're doing. I, 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 I'm certain you eliminate just about every risk that there is. Well, I try to. It's it's definitely an extremely um, dangerous activity. And uh, I know I've lost more than 100 colleagues and friends through mm. the course of my lifetime who've been involved in cave diving and technical diving. So it requires a lot of training, a lot of equipment, a lot of backup equipment and proficiency, currency. And those are all extremely important. So yeah, you're right. It's definitely not for <laughs> sort of the weekend warrior to go to go check out. These are extremely dangerous environments. And Jill, when you do that, are you part of a team or are you alone? Because it sounds like such a really solitary kind of a thing. Well, interestingly enough, we 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 do always encourage people to dive with a buddy where possible. Um, but I say where possible because there are a few exceptions for what I do. Sometimes I'm squeezing through spaces that are the equivalent of sliding underneath like your bed. <laughs> you know, my shoulders are pinned to the ceiling, my chest is pinned to the floor, and I'm pulling myself along. And that's not a place where two people together um, can safely operate without endangering one another. So there are many occasions when I am actually diving alone. But again, that's for the most experienced people in the field. And obviously getting through these tight spaces underwater in the dark uh, is one thing. Uh, turning around and getting back through them can be entirely different, can't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are spaces that are the size of a football stadium that we're swimming through. But as you say, you know, there are also restrictions that we squeeze through and we have to be sure that we can turn around and get back out. And we might be wearing even as much as five or six hundred pounds of equipment, cameras, scooters, um, life support equipment, extra tanks. And so that can be quite a process. So you've got to be sure that you can make the return trip just just like someone who's climbing Everest, you know, going up is only half of the journey. <laughs> well, there's another part of your story that I think really, really tells us a lot about who you are. You could have missed out completely on this part of your life. And this is where the growing bolder philosophy kind of comes in, because like a lot of us, you had a job, you had a career that you probably could have, maybe some people think you should have stayed in forever. So where did you get the courage to make a switch and why in the world didn't any of your friends stop you? <laughs> well, um, most people are quite surprised to learn that uh, my background is actually in art. I was uh, I had an, an ad agency, a small graphic design company in Toronto, and I sold everything. I sold the business. I sold all my personal belongings and and moved away in order to realize this career, which enabled me to bring my creative talents underwater and um, pursue the life of a, a creative professional that dives. You know, uh, Bill, we've got to encourage everybody to go to her website. And I know you have that information to see what she does. I, I have to tell you, Jill, just listening to you describe what you do, I can think there's a lot of people out there wondering why in the heck she would do it. When you see 
the video of what you do, the experience that you have. Uh, it, it is phenomenal. It is stunning. It is overwhelming. And I'm guessing that's what keeps calling you back is, is to experience this life altering world that, that, that you've discovered. Mm-hmm. I, I have a bit of a hybrid career, so I'm I'm capturing images, still photos, film, but I'm also acting as the hands and eyes for scientists that don't have the skills or the background to go to places where where I can go and bring back the information. And sometimes swimming through these places is like swimming through a crystal chandelier. They're so beautiful. Underwater caves are museums of natural history that contain information about Earth's past climate, about civilizations that use these as portals to the underworld, about animals that swim inside the Earth. So there's so much for me to explore and bring back. And in some ways, I'm, I'm still that little girl in kindergarten that loved show and tell. <laughs> You know, Mark mentioned in the intro something really fascinating that maybe more people have walked on the surface of the moon that have gone to some of the places that you've gone. What are we missing aside from those things? And what do people send you out there looking for? Well, um, yeah, oftentimes I am the very first person to swim into the, a particular cave and explore and document these places. You know, sometimes I'm gathering samples for a scientist. Sometimes I'm doing surveys so that people can understand where their drinking water is running through the inside of the earth. So there's many different things that I get involved in. And for me, um, you know, I don't have a bit of claustrophobia. <laughs> um, I find comfort. Um, it's very um, inspiring for me to, to see these places and be the first. We're talking with Jill uh, Heinerth, who is, uh, as you guys have guessed, many, many different things. Uh, obviously an adventurer, a fearless adventurer, but but a scientist to some extent, uh, an artist in, in, in every sense of the world, in, in, word in, in what she does. And, um, you know, Jill, you mentioned that you were originally, you, you got into art, but when you see what you do, you see the videos that you shoot, you see the still photos that you take, uh, you, you are very, very much an accomplished artist. What do you get out of what you do, other than the contributions that you're obviously making to the knowledge of mankind, which is critically important? Personally, what do you get out of it? How does it affect you at a, at, at a deep, soulful level? Well, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people say, Gosh, aren't you scared? You must be, you must be fearless. And, and I am not fearless. Um, I'm afraid. I'm afraid all the time. I'm afraid every time I go diving. And I want to dive with people that are afraid because it means we both understand risk, but we're willing to um, try and mitigate that risk to do something that hasn't been done before. And then when you have success in these environments, it can be incredibly empowering and, and enable other things in your life. So what I've learned as a cave diver has absolutely translated to every every fiber of my being to every activity that I'm involved in in life. And you know, Jill, like we talked about earlier, there may be a lot of people listening saying, wow, I mean, I wonder if I could do what she did. I wonder if I could stop this career I'm in for whatever it is, whatever appeals to my sense of adventure. But nobody dives right from one career to be successful into another. How difficult, how arduous was the time in between? How big was the sacrifice and how often did you wonder if you'd made a terrible mistake? 
Well, I, you know, I didn't make the decision overnight, really. It took, you know, a, a matter of years, really, to decide um, to to pursue this career. And then I tell people I'm a, I'm a 30-year overnight success. You know, <laughs> It's a constant learning process. I'm with every scientist that I work with, there's some new learning curve that I have to master. But that's what I love. And, and I think that inspiring other people to embrace exploration and what I call discovery learning can be, you know, such a, such a positive, um, positive activity in your life when we're, when we're learning and stepping into the blackness in whatever we do. We have incredible opportunities to, you know, increase our capabilities for the future. Or you just wrote a chapter in, in, in the book of Growing Bolder, you know, the, the importance of, of curiosity as we grow older. But but you have made me rethink one thing that Bill and I say all the time, Jill, and that is, uh, you know, as we age, we, we can't be afraid to fail. You know, what what is failure? The only question is, how long are you going to fail before you're successful? But in what you do, uh, you can't fail. I mean, uh, you know, it, you, you can. Uh, there are some I, some mistakes you can't make. Mm, yes, some mistakes I can't make, but I do fail all the time. And um, and I like to remove the stigma from the word failure, because for me, when we don't achieve a particular goal, uh, all that means is that it's an opportunity to discover something new. I mean, the light bulb wasn't <laughs> wasn't invented on the first try. You know, we go back again and again as we learn more. So um, I do have to know when to turn around. So I have to know when to abort, when to drop what I'm doing and get home safe. Uh, but everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the difficult, the things that caused PTSD in my life are all things to now embrace. I can't change those things that happened in my past, but I can change what I do with them in the future. And those are opportunities for the discovery learning that I think is so important for growth. Well, you know, when somebody talks like that, Jill, when you are as articulate as you are, it's obvious that you're not some kid who's out on an adventure. You're somebody in your mid-50s living the kind of life that 20-year-olds are envious of. What's your philosophy of age, and how do you feel about this stage of your life? Well, I I feel a lot younger, I guess, than my... <laughs> than uh, than my actual age. I still think I can swim circles around 20-year-olds. <laughs> so, you know, I try to you know, stay fit and healthy and everything else. But, uh, you know, it's just a number. It, it, it just, it doesn't matter. I mean, I hope to be cave diving when I'm in my 80s. We'll see. Um, but uh, I have no, no uh, idea of stopping anytime soon. <laughs> I'll just keep pressing on and modifying how I do things to make them possible. You know, you know, one thing that we, we have noticed, uh, Jill, with many people that we've talked to that, that are engaged in life like you are, you know, they, they, they will tell us that they actually feel smarter today than they were 10 or 20 years ago, which is really kind of the opposite of what our culture has led us to believe. Uh, as active as your mind is, as curious as your mind is, as, as incessant as you are trying to solve problems and figure things out, do you feel like you're, you're, you are cognitively as healthy today as you were 10 years ago? Uh, can you get smarter as you get older? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, like I was saying, ages is really just a number. I mean, I would never want to go back because the wisdom that I've gained to get me this far has made me uh, smarter, stronger, um, more able to adapt to change. And uh, I, I would just never want to turn back the clock. 
Oh, that's that's inspiring. That is so great to hear because it applies to all of us, no matter what we're doing in life. And uh, ha- having said that, I'm kind of curious. So, what's up? What's up next for you? What is your next big adventure? What What is your next project? What What are you working on now? I'm actually filming this week. I'm working in a, a cave in Canada, uh, filming a part of a documentary for Smithsonian and uh, looking at some very interesting endangered species inside a very small, very high flow, cold, um, low visibility, difficult, difficult cave. Uh, but, you know, when, when COVID finally uh, passes and we've all had vaccines, I hope to get further afield and, and pick up some of the projects that have been delayed for now. Jill, I know you've you've mentioned multiple things here that, that would fit what I'm going to ask you to, but but wrap it up for us, if you will. Put a bow on, on this. Is there a moral to your story? Is there a single takeaway that you would like all of us to know about life in general? Uh, I would just say nothing is impossible. And um, go ahead and um, step towards fear. You know, be willing to skin your knees and, and uh, try something new. Um, there's opportunities for expanding our awareness and capabilities at every turn. Well, you sure walk the walk, swim the swim, whatever you want to call it. For <laughs> someone who has seen some of the most remote places on Earth, she is truly one of the most inspiring people on the planet. Her book is Into the Planet, My Life as a Cave Diver. What a fantastic conversation with Jill Heiner. Isn't she interesting, Mark? I told you she was going to be something, huh? No, she was phenomenal. And, you know, what a what a great opportunity. And, you know, as one of these people, we, we interview many people, Bill, and uh, enjoy the process on all of them. But not all of them do we want to follow and see what they're doing next. And she is absolutely one that, that, that I will continue. So, yeah, uh, very inspiring. Up next, she built a major business from the ground up despite being told that as an African-American woman, she had no chance. We'll meet the remarkable Robin Wilson. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Florida Blue Medicare. Moving to Florida means warm weather, blue skies, and a chance to reconsider your Medicare Advantage plan. Did you know new residents may have 60 days to switch? Growing Boulder created a guide to help, available for free at growingbolder.com slash Medicare. Check out Growing Boulder TV, airing on public television stations nationwide. Visit growingbolder.com slash TV for program listings and where to watch. I'm Mark Middleton, along with uh, Bill Schaefer, and this, of course, is Growing Boulder. And our next guest uh, is an author. She's an eco-warrior, uh, a business leader. And beyond that, she's someone who has been on the front lines fighting for racial uh, and gender equality for many years. And uh, her story is not only eye-opening, it's very, very inspirational. She's an African-American woman who created her own custom cabinetry line. And she didn't just do it, she's doing it in a very big way. She's got over 400 dealers nationwide carrying her uh, products. 
And even with that, she could not get financing, which is just amazing, even though the line generated a quarter of a billion dollars in retail sales. Bill, is that true? Yeah, something really wrong here, Mark. And that's one of the things we're going to be able to talk about. But what she created is really interesting, too. It's a hypoallergenic line of cabinetry and furniture, you know, the kind of things you have in your home, which really is a must for anybody who's got allergies or Mm -hmm. asthma or really anybody who's interested in health. It's called Robin Wilson Home. She's got a couple of books out, too, including her latest called Clean Design, Wellness for Your Lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So let's welcome Robin Wilson to the program. How are you, Robin? How are you doing? And thank you for having me on the show. You know, it's like we were saying before, I've really never heard of your story before, but I think it's so important that we do because what Mark said was mind boggling. You had so much more than a great idea or great concept. You got a quarter billion dollars in sales. It makes no sense that you had to struggle the way you did. What would happen when you would pitch potential investors? Well, I remember going to a, I'll call it a woman-based seed venture organization. And I said, you know, I'm like the black Martha Stewart, or I'm the follow-up to B. Smith, um, similar to a Rachel Ray, if that makes sense, and um, who are all people I admire. And this one particular woman I remember in this one seed uh, venture meeting literally said, well, I don't know any other black lifestyle brands. And well, why don't your people support you? And I was I was stunned because what I did know is I'd gone to my friends and family and we have to look at the systemic and the institutional issues that affect maybe their job success or their promotions. So people supported me to the tune of a quarter million dollars so that we could have a friends and family round. But when I went to VCs or seed capital or even banks for lines of credit, the doors were closed. Um Even, I mean, there was a point where it was like a personal guarantee. And I'm like, well, but I've charged up my credit cards. (laughs) Maybe I haven't been on time with everything. So my credit's not perfect anymore. Um, And so the cabinetry line, by the way, that licensing deal, I licensed my brand um, for the cabinetry from a U.S.-based manufacturer. And that deal lasted eight years. We had 400 dealers selling that line nationwide. 82 million at wholesale. That every month I was getting a royalty check, a five-figure royalty check. And I still couldn't get a line of credit. I still couldn't get seed capital. I still couldn't get venture. And every one of my um, I'll call it white friends was like, but we had an idea for like an ice cream shop or a chocolate shop, and we don't have any experience in that, but we just got a million dollars or you know, um, and so it was just it was it's just been devastating. We're 20 years old. Robin Wilson Home is still chugging along almost like a startup. And I would love to see a VC look at my brand. And we're actually going to create a sub-brand. I'm working on another licensing deal for additional textiles now. And during this um, Black Lives Matter moment, it was startling to see that when we made the list of Real Simple in New York Magazine, we got 100 new clients in about a week. And then a hotel called and said, can you supply us? And we supplied 56 pallets of hospitality goods. Why wasn't that happening earlier? Hmm. Folks, we're talking with Robin Wilson, who obviously uh, is a is an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, if she were not, she wouldn't be here today. Um, 
You know, Robin, it is incredibly frustrating, I think, for all entrepreneurs, but but certainly more so for you. Your persistence is is just amazing. I, and thank goodness that you had family and friends who believed in you. Thank goodness that you had the belief that you've obviously had uh, in your vision. But but how hard has it been to to you know continue on at times? I would imagine you you had some sleepless nights. Well, as one would say, if you've read The Alchemist, you know. <laughs> You get to the seventh day, do you give up or you go on to the eighth yeah. day? And, you know, one of the things that um, when Bed Bath Beyond put us on their shelves, uh, we were the second African-American brand after B. Smith. Initially, the buyers were reluctant. They were like, well, hypoallergenic, African-American. And I said, you know, I'm a spokesperson unpaid for the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. And one in five Americans, that's 60 million people, suffer from asthma and allergies. And one in three African-Americans suffer from asthma or allergies or both. And I said, I can be a great messenger to help people. And our brand, Robin Wilson Home, is one of the mass produced, I call it the mass pricing. It's not more expensive. It's actually less expensive than some other brands that are hypoallergenic. We're still sold at Bed Bath Beyond. We're no longer sold in the stores because we got feedback from our customers that maybe someone had a cat and they touched the sheets or the pillows or the comforters or and then that next person was allergic to cats and they brought it home. So today we ship directly from RobinWilsonHome.com and from BedBathBeyond.com and it comes straight from the clean room warehouse directly to your home. We can help people stay healthy. And especially at a time when we're in the midst of a pandemic, we help you keep your home clean. Boy, Robin, I'm sure the last thing you tried to do or set out to do was be an inspiration, but you sure are. And usually anyone who does what you have done, who has tried to stand up against the machine, you end up paying a price, endless frustration, often infuriating. There must have been so many times, as Mark was saying, when you wanted to say, look, enough is enough. But why haven't you given up? What's kept you focused? What keeps you pushing on? I mean, we can hear it in your voice even now. <laughs> well, I grew up with asthma and allergies in Austin, Texas. I was that kid with the Kleenex, right? Um, and I I was so grateful that my parents had this hippie 1970s doctor. So I just gave away my age, right? And uh, And this doctor said, you can raise a strong child or you can raise a child on strong medicine. And his view was no dairy, exercise, don't take steroidal right. medications unless you need to, take the pet outside, no smoking inside, all the things that we do today. And some of my friends who had asthma and allergies at that time, their doctors were more traditional as far as steroidal medications. And those individuals don't have strong lungs today. I believe that people especially in a pandemic, we all want to sit home and eat brownies, right? Um, <laughs> and watch television. But this is a time to really get out, exercise, buy products in your home that keep your indoor air quality good. Make sure your sheets and your pillows are hypoallergenic so that your body is only fighting the bad stuff and not on a day-to-day -day dealing with inflammation. I believe that I um, can, with the curation of products through Robin Wilson Home and a new design, uh, a new brand we're launching later this year, I believe that we will help people every day 
keep their homes healthy and by virtue of that themselves. Well, you certainly are a great spokesperson for your product. And I know that should go a long, long way in this digital world in which we live. Uh, You also have a book out that's called Clean Design Wellness for Your Lifestyle. Tell us a little bit about that, because uh, I agree you should be uh, the new Martha Stewart. Um, you know, forget the black Martha Stewart. You should just be the Martha Stewart. Uh, I think I think you are more relevant today than she is. Let's just say that. Well, I will say this. All of us have our own niche. My niche is eco-friendly and hypoallergenic living. I wrote a book called Clean Design Wellness for Your Lifestyle. And that book was a compendium of 15 years of design. I actually uh, equate it almost like to the joy of cooking, where you're not going to read every page uh, one by one, but maybe you have a baby nursery. So read the nursery chapter. If you have allergies and asthma, read the uh, allergy or or healthy living chapter. And one of the things that um, was really exciting when people read the book is my grandmother was a housekeeper. So if you go back to the movie, The Help, She would have been in that era as a housekeeper. But when she passed, we found her book. And her book had all the little recipes of things that you can do with vinegar and toothpaste and and the simple things. And most people don't realize, like, crayon can be cleaned off the walls with toothpaste. But so often we put a toxic chemical at our child's nose level instead of knowing the non-toxic options. I believe that it is... Um, a book that is a living document. It is, again, not to be read cover to cover, but based on a chapter that you might need to read. And there's one other thing in the book besides my grandmother's tips, who um, uh, who I think was really an inspiration with her quilting and her sewing and, and her garden in her backyard. But there's another chapter that talks about how you might be allergic to, let's say, um, grasses, but the same pollen might be in a fruit. So you come in when the, when the grass in your yard is being mowed and then a ragweed or something. And then you come into your home and you eat that piece of fruit and you have a similar allergic reaction. And so we actually list all of the fruits that have similar pollen profiles so you can avoid those during peak allergy or allergen season. Wow, there's great information there. We're talking with Robin Wilson of Robin Wilson Home. And, you know, we may think we know, but we really don't. So let me just ask you, what what is it like, Robin, these days to be black and to be a woman trying to make it in the business world? Um, it requires tenacity and resilience. Those are the two words that come to mind. There have been so many times when I've wanted to quit. There have been times when... I thought nobody really cared. And there have been times more recently when, especially like to be on your show, um, I am just so grateful. I hope that being on your show and speaking out and saying, hey guys, you know, I have had an idea that has generated revenue. It's not just a concept. It helps 60 million Americans. I need your help to both go to my website and purchase things so I can continue to keep my business running. But at the same time, I'd love to have a VC or private equity or someone um, not say, hey, personally guarantee this, but just like 
the WeWork people. They have an idea. They get funding. <laughs> Maybe they have to give up a portion of the company. But what ends up happening is it becomes a bigger thing. And with this pandemic moment, who wouldn't want a box of clean design materials delivered to their home? Towels, sheets, comforters, all of which will protect them um, and keep them healthy in their home, which should be their sanctuary during a pandemic. Robert, I don't know how many VCs we have watching right now, but I do know that uh, we've got a lot of people that are grateful for the inspiration that you provide. So so can you give us a takeaway? Um, and, and I don't mean sleep on hypoallergenic sheets, but, uh, you know, something <laughs> maybe bigger than that. You know, what have you learned about life in general that, that, that would help us all, uh, not just on this day, but in the days ahead? Well, I'm going to make you laugh. Um, there's two things that are funny. One is going to be about being an entrepreneur and what I learned. And I call it the ABCs to the one, two, threes. If you don't have a great attorney, bookkeeper, and cash flow, you will have a dollar twenty-three in your pocket. <laughs> I like the second, that. The second tip I'd like to say is, when was the last time you washed or replaced your pillow? Most people will say, oh, I still have my college pillow, and they're in their 40s. So remember this, that pillow now weighs more than when you got it because of all the skin sloughing off. So please wash and replace your pillow. I have a rule of threes. Every three weeks, at least wash the zippered pillowcase. Every three months, actually wash the pillow if you don't have a zippered pillowcase. And every three years, replace that pillow. So <laughs> lifestyle, entrepreneur. I am both, and I truly hope that the Robin Wilson Home Lifestyle brand at robinwilsonhome.com continues to be supported by all of your listeners. So here's someone who's created a product you can believe in, a product that makes a difference, and she's had to do it the hard way every single step of the way, but she's in it for the right reason. She's dynamic. She's courageous and relentless. And boy, is she an inspiration. It's been a pleasure to be able to spend some time with you. The book, again, is called Clean Design, and you can learn more about the book, her products, and Robin herself at Robin Wilson Home. Dot com and, and we hope you all take a look, Robin. It's been a pleasure. Up next, a pianist who was too classical for rock and too rock for classical until he finally made his mark with the Moody Blues. And yes, this is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location, offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. One of the issues that we all face as we age is loneliness. Whether it's because of retirement, relocation, or just age, we tend to become more isolated, more alone at a time when we need socialization the most. Not only is social isolation a terrible thing to live with, 
but you can actually die from it. Statistics show that people 60 and over who indicate feelings of loneliness are twice as likely to suffer from physical and mental decline and are also at a higher risk of death. And it isn't always who you'd expect either. Family members who take on the role as caregivers also find themselves at an increased risk of social isolation. And this is especially concerning these days as the pandemic added another layer of self-imposed isolation, especially for older adults who had been living in assisted living facilities and nursing homes. And it's not that older people don't want to get out, but many face issues that don't leave much of a choice. For many, it's just not easy to get around, especially if they don't drive, if they have limited transportation options or live in rural areas. Another big reason is financial. Many older people live on tight budgets and fixed incomes that make dining out or entertainment options unaffordable. It's not just important. It's vital to your health to connect with others. Connecting with loved ones can be done over the telephone or by video chats or on any number of virtual means. Arrange for friendly check-ins for those who are isolated and connect with them through telehealth services that offer mental and physical health care services as well. Communicate by sending cards and letters. Do what you can as often as you can to let people know they are not alone. Connect, connect, and connect again. It's more than just a nice thing to do. It's a prescription for good health. More information at growingbolder.com slash Medicare. This is Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer, and you're about to meet one of the most unique musicians of the classic rock era. The talents of Patrick Moraz helped bands like Yes and the Moody Blues explore a sound that really was different than that of any other groups. It was distinctive, instantly identifiable, and after spending some time with him, you're going to quickly realize that his mind is just as different as his art. Bill Schaefer had that chance. He got bolder backstage with Patrick Moraz to give us a glimpse of the man behind the music. Patrick. Yeah. How are you? Well, fantastical. <laughs> Unbelievable. Man. Watching Patrick Moraz play is an unusual experience. You never know what you're going to hear, as he often makes melodies up on the fly. And as fast as his hands are, his mind is just as quick. A conversation with Moraz is an amusement park ride of consciousness, wit, and wisdom. I've had the, the, the great um, uh, fortune, in a way, to be free enough to stay not only healthy but alive and alive with my mind and not be inhibited or uh, forbidden by some tasks or some rules or something. I, I still respect, of course, the rules of the game, you know, especially in music, you know. But uh, as I always said, you know, music is music and conversely, music is music. <laughs> And music has been his path to a pretty interesting life. He joined the band Yes in 1974, taking the place of the legendary Rick Wakeman. 
He was a great fit. Everyone was excited about the possibilities until it ended just two years later when Wakeman decided to come back. Eventually, Mraz took his wall of keyboards to the Moody Blues, where he continued to make a real connection with the audience. Some of my very best times on stage and playing the music uh, with Yes and playing, of course, with Moody Blues, with whom I, I was for 13 years, you know. But your time with Yes, when you replace a legend, people don't want to like you yet. Yes, fans say that what you did with Relayer was wonderful. I, I think they have a very good taste, you know. And, uh, and uh, of course, I mean, Yes was always one of my favorite, favorite bands since, actually, since they started in, uh, 50 years ago. One of the reasons Mraz has been able to survive in the music industry all these years is his ability to do what he's doing right now at an astonishing level, improvising. I don't only play music or compose music. I mean, I've, I've composed maybe more than, than 3,000 pieces of music so far, but uh, I, I still do and I still improvise as well, and I'm still able to compose in real time some, some music at any any given time. See, that, that, that's it. He says he believes the key for any of us to be truly creative is to not be afraid to use your brain, your entire brain. It's so easy to have the two parts of one of one's brain communicate, you know, with, with, with the two sides by doing very, very, some very, very simple uh, kind of things which I've developed, of, of course, over the years. And then also not be inhibited by exploring. Voila, that's it. That's the exploration of, you know, uh, new musical or artistic territories, you know. Perhaps most remarkable is that his desire to explore, whether we're talking about music or life, is just as strong as ever. How old are you now? Oh, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be 74 in, 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 uh, in three weeks, actually, you know. <laughs> look at you. Look at your energy. Look at, look at your passion. It, it, did you ever think that this is the way you would be at 74? I, 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 I've never really thought about it, actually, you know. You don't feel 74, do you? No. It's interesting, the way you look at your music is also the way you live your life. What the next day is going to bring, it's another adventure. It's, right. it's, it's more unknown. It's the curiosity as to what's to come. What do you think the takeaway is? What can we learn from what you know about life? Since I, I come from Switzerland originally, uh, you know, the, the peace and the coexistence are, are, has always played an immense role in uh, my uh, creativity because the epitome of creativity lies in the state of dynamic tension between extreme forces in a position. And the more extreme the forces, the more 
uh, creativity is uh, happening. So what you're saying is not to fear the tension, exactly. not to fear the, the tough times that we have, because from that comes our next great composition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, yeah, I tell you what, man, you, you understand everything, huh? yeah. You're a great teacher. <laughs> it's fantastic. You have understood everything. You know, it's fantastic to, to have your questions and, and uh, to be able to talk about all this like that. Wow, Bill, you are right. Patrick Moraz is a fascinating personality, and he makes a great point about facing challenges. If we can just hold on and find a way to fight through them, we'll be so much better on the other side. Because as we've learned many times, facing adversity forces us to overcome, to rethink, and ultimately to grow. Yeah, you know you know why he's so much fun, Mark? He's, you sort of forget the way that, that the world is set up now. You almost forget how much fun it is to meet someone with tons of energy and a totally different perspective on life than you have. He, he's, like, he's like going to a theme park <laughs> and just to have a conversation with him because you never know where you're going to end up, what hills and valleys, but you know you're going to come out fascinated and inspired as well. It's so easy to believe that these musicians that we meet on Boulder Backstage have it made, not a problem in the world, but Patrick has had many ups and downs. But when you hear a rock star, this is the point here, in his mid-70s, sounds so positive, so enthusiastic, and interested in what he's doing, it makes you believe we should all be that way, too. Up next, my man Mark's got something on his mind, and we're going to find out what it is. This is growing bolder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at crosbywellnesscenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. My guards stood hard when abstract threats to noble, to neglect. He is a multiple. Emmy Award-winning journalist, a world record-setting master swimmer, and one of the leading voices in the active lifestyle movement. He is an author, founder and CEO of Growing Boulder, and folks, that's why it is always interesting to hear what's on his mind. Here's Mark. Oh, my God. I'll tell you what I am today, Bill. I'm stressed. Uh, I'm tired and I'm fatigued with all of this division in America these days. I think that, uh, you know, we've all felt it over the past year. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, folks, that at Growing Boulder, we try to avoid anything that's hyper-political. You know, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we don't want to take a stand on important issues because, you know, we do believe that we should talk about gender and, and racial equality and, and racial injustice and socioeconomic disparity. These are important issues, and, you know, we want to have a voice in that. But that said, we have put up the most uplifting, inspiring, benign statements on Facebook meant only to encourage people to be themselves, and some people interpret that as as being political. And, you know, it's 
truth of the matter is we don't care if you're black or white or Latino or Asian or uh, a Native American. We don't care if you're rich or poor or bi or trans or gay or urban or rural. We don't care if you're a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or a Buddhist or an atheist. You know, we are all human beings, and Growing Boulder's mission is to inspire everybody to be the best version of themselves. Um, but everything gets to be so hyper-political. This is such a divided nation that we live in. So here's what I've decided, Bill. I'm going to try to just totally disconnect, you know, from, from all of the drama out there because I just can't deal with it. I mean, I'm not going to run for office. I'm not going to write a political blog. I'm not going to become a fundraiser for a big political action committee. I will continue to support politicians uh, that I believe in. And, and those that I believe in now are those that can be honest, that can be decent, and that can engage people who have opinions other than their own. Because I think compromise is really the only way forward at this point. So uh, I'm still going to be doing my thing, but but I just cannot deal anymore with the day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute stress that, that, that you get when you watch freaking news all day. Have you thought about it? What is it that makes us so sensitive? And we all are. You know, we can talk about all of those things that you mentioned, but boy, you go to politics and we all firmly grab onto our sides and just refuse to come to the middle. You know, it's crazy. How many friends do you no longer have on Facebook? And, and you know, I said this before, I've got had some friends that have the exact opposite political opinions of mine, but I never really knew it, but I still liked them because they were fun and funny and interesting and engaging. And we just don't talk anymore because we're, we now know we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum. There is a division of culture in this country that is downright dangerous and not just to the country, but to our own individual health. You know what it might be? And you talk about this a lot too. It, it, we get so stuck on talking about our differences that we never talk about the things that we all believe in. And, you know, not because we're doing this program, but that's one of the things that Growing Boulder does so well. It says be the best you you Mm -hmm. can be. What is your potential? Try to reach it. Make your life an adventure. Seek out joy. How can anybody be against those things? We are all in favor of those things, and we need to look like that politically as well as culturally. Yeah, we believe in you. And, 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 Bill, you said it perfectly. That's it. We believe in you. Don't care if you believe something different than us. Our job is to help you be the best version of you. And I think that has to involve being able to have a conversation because we say this all the time as well. You can't change the culture if you don't change the conversation. So let's learn to talk to one another. And another great segment of What's on My Mind by Mark Middleton. That's going to do it for us right now. But folks, growing older never stops. Check out beautiful, new, completely redesigned website at growingbolder.com. You're going to love it. You'll find more stories, interviews, tools, and resources, and we'll see you right back here again very, very soon. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trapped. Countless fires.